Hi, and welcome to The Caption Life, a show for the most casual and dedicated fans of comics and a member of the Comic Watch family. I am your host, Sean. Join me and discover what the world of comics and graphic novels has to offer. From one-on-one interviews with industry professionals to roundtable discussions with passionate fans and reviews on the latest comics, TV shows, and movies. You can find me on social media under the username at Caption Life. You can also find more episodes and information at thecaptionlife.com. Hey everyone, and thank you for joining us. If this is your first time, thanks for checking us out. If you're a returning listener, thanks for coming back. In case you didn't know, there are comic book publishers outside of what's called the Big Two, which are DC Comics and Marvel. There are also many indie creators that use Kickstarter as a way to self-publish their comics. One of them is a project called Thoughtscape Comics, which is an anthology series serving up sci-fi action, thrills and chills in the tradition of 2000 AD, Black Mirror, and the Twilight Zone. It's currently active on Kickstarter with a plan to meet its $15,500 goal by January 31st, and the creator asked to come on the show to talk more about it, so please welcome to the show Matt Mayer Lowry. Matt was born and raised in Portland and studied journalism, design, and creative writing at the University of Oregon. He wrote and co-created with artist Cassie Anderson, Life Formed, Clio, Makes Contact, and Life Form Hearts and Minds, which were both published by Dark Horse Comics in 2017 and 2019. In 2021, Matt launched Thoughtscape Comics on Kickstarter. Matt, Welcome to the show. How are you doing? I'm great. Thanks so much for having me. Yeah, thank you very much. I appreciate you reaching out and asking me to come on the show. Um, and, you know, I love to support indie creators as much as I can. I know this has been kind of a, a discussion, I think, that took over a couple of months. And I appreciate you um, just kind of hanging in and, and bearing with me because I know I had a lot of stuff going on. I'm glad I was able to get you on before your Kickstarter end, which how long has it been going on now? Uh, we're like almost right in the middle. We've been going for, uh, well, let's see, we had 28 days. So I guess we've been going for about 13 days or so. Um, so a couple weeks and uh, just over a couple weeks left. Gotcha. Awesome. Yeah. Good. And, um, you know, with Thoughtscape mm-hmm. Comics, I know we talked about some of the things that you've done before and all that. Um, is Thoughtscape Comics, um, it's volumes one and volume two, but there's supposed to be a volume three coming out as well, too, right? Yeah, actually, with the Kickstarter right now, uh, if you happen to pick up the first volume when we kickstarted it a couple of years ago, you don't need to pick that up again. You can just get two and three. And if you want all three, you can get all three. Or if you just want three, you can get three. Um, we've got every kind of uh, permutation of uh, of packages there for you to pick up. Awesome. Well, yeah. Thank you. Well, as I like to do with every guest that comes on the show, I like to ask them what their origin story is. And so I want to ask you, what is your comic book origin story? Yeah. So I grew up in the like mid eighties and my first comics, as far as being a reader were uh, like the Larry Hama GI Joe series Mm -hmm. uh, and X Claremont's X-Men around issue 200 or a little bit like right around there. Mm -hmm. Uh, And yeah, basically like those uh, somehow made it their way into my friend group in grade school. And we all got really into it. Um, I went into it pretty heavy for a handful of years before high school started and then kind of fell off um, after getting into stuff that was a little more adult, I guess, like the question um, from the late 80s, uh, all mm-hmm. the Dark Horse sort of licensed alien and predator books um, mm-hmm. and uh, Grendel and stuff like that. And, oh, yeah. and uh, yeah, so those are sort of my um, 
yeah, what I was raised on, I guess, um, <laughs> in a very short period of time, it feels like, uh, in addition to, you know, all the like Miller, Alan Moore stuff that, um, is pretty standard for someone that read in that time. Uh, and yeah, then I kind of fell off for a bit and I, you know, started playing in bands and stuff, but I was always kind of like, when I was younger, I had sort of made up my own characters and everything. Um, and written a lot. I, you know, wrote songs for a while. Then basically, like, as I was approaching 40, I was feeling like I wanted to really try to do something with writing other than just have it be a hobby like it had been for a long, long time. Mm -hmm. And uh, yeah, so I hooked up with uh, Cassie Anderson, who uh, co-created and drew life formed. And I had a couple scripts and uh, yeah, she really helped me like, uh, package or like come i guess complete that story we uh developed a pitch packet for that and uh, actually just did kind of like the first issue and i wasn't even sure what i was going to do with it i just happened to pass it to the guys who run my comic book store used to run the comic book store i go to um, which was mm -hmm. then called bridge city comics and i had no idea but they two of the guys there had worked at dark horse and they were like this is fantastic can we pass this along to dark horse and i was um sure that's great <laughs> uh yeah. so yeah so we ended up getting a deal there and doing two books there with uh life formed which hopefully we'll get back to that story at some point i've got much more uh to do there i feel like as well mm -hmm. um but yeah that was that was sort of uh, the arc of it. And I got back into reading comics, I guess, that sort of uh, ahead of deciding to create there um, with Bendis's Ultimate Spider-Man and then Bendis Fraction and Brubaker and all those Rucka and all those guys uh, kind of, you know, 2004-ish or so. Mm -hmm. um, so, yeah, uh, it's uh, been off and on a little bit, but kind of a lifelong thing for sure. Oh, man, that's amazing. So... Before we get to Thoughtscape comics and I guess before we get into Lifeform, have there been other, other like any other comics you've worked on or has is Lifeform and Thoughtscape, um, you know, your kind of your kickoff or. Yeah, no, comics? that's pretty much it. Yeah, I okay. did. The, I did the Lifeform stuff and uh, and then decided that I needed to start working on some smaller stuff to get more stuff out a little more frequently. And that's how Thoughtscape was sort of born. Gotcha. So, yeah. so before we get into Thoughtscape, then let's talk a little bit more about Lifeform. Can you tell us what that's about for anyone that may have not read that yet? Sure, sure, for sure. Yeah, you probably, chances are you probably didn't. Um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, that's about, uh, so that was sort of a YA sci-fi action adventure um, mm -hmm. about a girl whose dad is killed in an alien invasion and a shape-shifting rebel alien takes his place okay. and they team up and fight back against the invaders. And it's sort of a coming of age story for Cleo, who's the young girl, and then a sort of parenting uh, learning to become human arc for the alien uh, rebel uh, dad, I guess. Um, so, uh, yeah, it's pretty, it's pretty fun. Um, hopefully kind of funny, but also gets pretty dark and uh, has, I guess, uh, lots of pathos, I guess, um, would be the would be the saying. Mm -hmm. um, and you can actually pick that up if you're interested um, as part of the Thoughtscape Kickstarter. I have a handful of copies of both those uh, two full graphic novels uh, on hand that you can order up uh, when you pick up Thoughtscape as well. That's awesome. So, um, where's Lifeform published at? Uh, so, Dark Horse did the first two books, and uh -huh. then um, it's at Scout now. Um, I'm not really sure what the status of that is post pandemic stuff. Um, there's there were plans to basically re-release it through scouts um but i'm not totally sure what's uh, happening at this point with that gotcha well yeah. it sounds like an interesting story just from what you told 
Um, I mean, it, it, it kind of hits a lot of, you know, just like what you've been talking about with some of the other things you're working on, you know, sci-fi and the dark times and, and humor yeah. and stuff like that. But I, I find the premise really interesting of how uh, a shape-shifting rebel alien takes the place of this girl's father. I got to imagine that's got to be something psychological for the daughter that's going through of her. She knowing her father is dead and then having to see her father being, you know, there, even though it's not her dad, it's an alien, but seeing her father, her dead father, like every day. Yeah. I'm sure I'm, it just sounds fascinating. Interesting. Just to kind of think through just that whole premise of all the things that can go into that story. Yeah. 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 It's pretty fun. Um, I mean, it's pretty fun to write, I guess. And there's, yeah, like a lot there to sort of mine and, uh, and you know grapple with um yeah those characters are a blast and i love them all and i hope i we get to get back to it because there's uh yeah i mean i feel like it's something you can explore for a long time um Mm -hmm. and uh we i feel like we kind of just started scratching the surface with the first two books so um yeah it's a lot of fun though for sure yeah i might have to pick that up and check that out sometime that's really cool yeah uh so Let's swing over to Thoughtscape, which is what you want to talk about today. Um, tell us a little bit more about what's it about. I know I gave a little bit of a kind of brief synopsis of the kind of genre it fits in, but maybe mm-hmm. you can tell us what exactly is Thoughtscape and what's the you know premise and the details behind it. Sure. So Thoughtscape is a anthology series, uh, like we talked about, I guess, in the tradition of 2000 AD, Black Mirror, Twilight Zone. And it it is kind of a uh, it's there's a premise, basically, that is an evil corporation or maybe just a corporation um, uh, has figured out a way to access a fifth dimension where every thought that has ever been thought exists. Mm-hmm. And the comic is basically a uh, transcription, you know, in theory of these uh, thoughts and translating them into stories um, for to be consumed. And so it's sort of uh, each book opens and closes with a little sort of uh, employee introduction to the company as if you're going to go work in the division of this company that records the thoughts. Um, and then uh, each issue has four stories, two of which are ongoing, two of which are standalone um, that uh, basically just take place in a very loosely uh, uh, shared universe uh, where uh, life tech, this company exists and mm-hmm. where we're dealing with basically, you know, technology, technology related or um, yeah, I guess uh, dark sci-fi themes along those lines um, and really trying to mix it up story to story. Each story is uh, drawn, written by me, but drawn by a different artist. And we're basically trying to just kind of be able to tell any story that we want sort of within this framework, mm-hmm. um, similar to how in the Twilight Zone, you might have a straight up comedy one week and then you might have a really depressing, I don't know, eco horror tale the next week or something. Um, we really want to like mix it up both uh, style comic or you know art wise and story wise and have a lot of variety in there and it gives me a chance to work with tons of great artists um 
uh, every issue, which is fantastic. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah, so we've got everything from something that might take place in the past to something that takes place in the far future, everything in between, uh, you know, s- s- stuff that's sort of like uh, a little bit in the alien sphere and stuff that's a little more uh, straight up satire. So, um, right. yeah, it's ho- hopefully a lot of fun um, with some, you know, uh, terror and uh, cool concepts along the way. Yeah. Well, yeah. and, you know, just just as you said, it's um, it's a little bit of everything, which I think is really cool. And we'll um, get to, um, you know, the thought process behind that in a little bit. But one of the things that really stood out to me, as you had said, is that the art is really fascinating for a number of reasons. You have, um, I think, multiple artists that's working on these because it's a series of stories that's told by different people. And so it's kind of the their own self-contained story that's happening um, in volumes one and two, um, you know, one of the things I really liked about it is that just as you had described, it reads like a digital brochure as though somebody, as though the reader is going through and applying to work at this company, basically. And I got to say one of the nice touches that you had in there is that you um, had a QR code that someone can scan in and then it takes them to a website that I, I forget what it was, but it's, it's almost like, uh, setting up something that seems like it's actually happening in the real world right yeah. now, uh, which is really cool. I think that was a really cool touch because that's a really cool. interesting way of thinking about how to get people to engage in the comic um, other than just simply reading it. And so I remember seeing the QR code. I'm like, oh, I bet you that leads to something I did. And it's just really cool to kind of play around with how to get people to um, just, you know, experience the story that you're trying to tell. Um, So in in thinking about that, what were some of the plans and design uh, design decisions that it came to uh, making Thoughtscape when you were thinking about digital brochure? Can you tell us a story about how you all came to make those decisions or there are certain things that you want to make sure you want to do um, when it comes to, you know, the design, the layout and the artwork of Thoughtscape and all that? Yeah, for sure. So the, I have a really good friend who is a fantastic graphic designer. Um, his name's John Larson, and he's not really a comics guy, but he and I have been friends since high school and uh, mm-hmm. constantly kind of cross working on each other's uh, art projects or music projects or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, so I knew if I went to John and just asked for some really cool branding, like a great logo, and then kind of like a visual kit of elements that I could work with that mm-hmm. um, I would get something awesome. And I'm a designer as well, but I'm more of a, a corporate UX design type of person. And so right. um, I lay out pages all day long, but I'm not as good at, as he is at uh, coming up with like these just cool looking stuff. So, right. um, so I basically got this stuff from John and uh, that was fantastic to start with. And then I went to work on, uh, basically coming up with how the, uh, how the pages laid out, how it turned into a comic, the stuff that I know more about. Mm-hmm. Um, definitely, you know, taking some, taking a lot of cues from like, uh, Tom Muller and the House of X, um, Hickman type of approach. Mm-hmm. Um, but I also wanted to really like be informed by the sort of, uh, the text. Uh, intro text little chapters that are like in Dune, um, in the novel, um, Grendel has a lot of sort of, uh, going back to the eighties, Matt Wagner stuff. Like he would, he would make really rich, uh, he would build real, a really rich world out around all his projects. And 
Uh, so Grendel was another influence there where I wanted to have mm-hmm. sort of this extra text um, content coming in. And then we've got a lot of like satirical ads that are really informed by like my love of RoboCop and Starship mm-hmm. Troopers. Um, so, you know, like yeah, little interstitial things between stories, it'll be sort of like a dividing page because I wanted one thing with anthologies that's always just slightly nagged to me comics wise was um you know, making sure I know where the stories end. I don't know why that was really stuck in my head, but I wanted to make sure we had like these nice kind of like demarcating pages each Mm -hmm. and each story has a cover to it. So as you're flipping through, like you're very clear that, okay, here's a nice big image that I can use for promo. That is also a cover um, in the comic itself. And then like, maybe there's a fake ad there that kind of like uh, gives people a little more taste of the world. Right. Um, yeah, so that was a lot of it. And then the the QR code stuff, um, which I play with a lot in the fake ads, is mm-hmm. to try to, uh, I mean, all this stuff when you're doing your own big comic projects, you have like, right, uh, years and years of ideas if you are lucky enough to uh, possibly be able to work on them. So mm-hmm. my hope with the QR code stuff and building out some online things was to lay the groundwork for you, like you said, that maybe uh, so while Thoughtscape kind of takes place in the future, uh, in my mind, a lot of the nefarious technological things that are happening are happening right now. And so we could kind of like track this back to our time. And so you can QR code and maybe go to what was a website in our time, but in the Thoughtscape time is now some, you know, employees screaming for help on this old marketing website channel, that kind of stuff. So um, (laughs) that kind of uh, thing, I would definitely like to do more of. And like you said, it makes for like some just fun engagement. And, you know, Mm -hmm. I like back in the olden, olden times when lost was a big thing on TV, they had like their whole campaign around uh, oceanic and the Dharma initiative and all this online component. Um, So there was some inspiration from that as well. Um, Yeah. So just kind of, I just wanted to pack it, you know, like kind of stuff it full of, of fun stuff also, because I know mm-hmm. on Kickstarter, you've got on Kickstarter, when you're self-publishing, you've got to like ask folks to kind of pay a premium for, uh, for stuff because right. you don't, you've got more, uh, it's, it's just more expensive for you to put something out than it is for Marvel to put something out. So, right. um, I wanted to make sure that each issue felt like it was really worth the money. Um, you know, from cover to cover. So I really wanted to pack it full. Yeah. Yeah. Going back to what you were talking about, where you said you want to make sure that the, there is a clear ending to the story when someone's reading it. It, I think of it as kind of like when you watch Saturday night live basically is, you know, these stories are like the sketches and then they'll have these little comical commercials or um, clips in between. And that's very much how this reads. And I think you all did a good job of making that clear start and ending for the story and then putting in just like what you said, um, an ad or maybe I think there's one thing that was probably like a pull out, maybe not from a diary or something like that, but I remember it was a little bit different than an ad. Um, But yeah, it was, it was a really cool and neat touch to kind of, again, it fits really well because you're reading it almost like in the frame of some sort of brochure that you stumbled on um, a a journal or something like that as well too. But because it has that sort of design frame around that, it really holds together and makes a lot of sense to do it that way. Cool. Yeah, that's, that's right. I think that 
that makes a lot of sense. The Saturday Night Live thing is cool. That's a good comparison. I mean, yeah. the other thing <laughs> is uh, is like Watchmen, right? Is a, I guess yes. another e- easy comparison with the tech stuff at the back. And when I read Watchmen the first or most of my life, I read it in the uh, trades. So it was always like having those nice like, OK, this is the end of the chapter. You but you always get the cover and you always get the back matter. So, yeah. Right. Yeah. 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 Well, and, and it also likens to. Starship Troopers, even though it's not an anthology, they have those little commercials like throughout the yeah. movie, those little, you know, recruiting propaganda pieces, yeah, you know. Yes. So, yep. yeah. Yeah. Um, so as we mentioned, this is an anthology of sorts where it's pretty much a collection of stories that then they and them of themselves um, in and of themselves, sorry, <laughs> um, in and of themselves don't actually connect other than within the framing story it seems like you know they all live in the same universe but they're not intertwined with one another um and so that's how this story reads and so one of the things i'm really interested in hearing from you is why you decided to do an anthology um as opposed to a central story and i know you touched about that a little bit early on um but i'm just kind of curious like what the thought process was did you do a pros and cons did you always wanted to do just a collection of short stories for some reason what was kind of the decision making process to wanting to do a collection of stories instead of a central story yeah, it was sort of a little bit was of it was practical. I def I was really interested after doing life formed and that we I basically did like 200 to or two 200 page graphic novels sort of like out of the gate was what I worked on. Mm-hmm. And after that, I was really interested in doing what everybody tells you to do when you get into comics, which is start with short stories. Right. Um, and so I wanted to do that. I wanted to work with um, like working with Cassie is fantastic, but I felt like to grow some, I really needed to work with, uh, with more people. Mm-hmm. And so the short story format, if I found somebody different for each story, it made it um, a really, you know, simple, clear cut way to get a lot of experience with a bunch of different folks. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was a, a sort of like a practical concern and really Thoughtscape came about with a couple of the stories um, in the first and second issue. As I was working on those and writing them, I just noticed that they like had some shared themes to them. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I was like, oh, the the company that exists in this one could exist in this other one. And then they could be this sort of loosely tied together thing. Um, so that seemed cool. So I just kind of did that. So I, I don't know, more to amuse myself, I think, than anything else. <laughs> um, as a child of, you know, Blade Runner and Alien or whatever, it's like, does the is the UI of the car in Blade Runner the same UI as the ships <laughs> in Alien? That whole, you know, so um, right. I just wanted to play with that. And then, uh, yeah. Yeah. So as I did that, I think uh, the the thing I realized was that there's a lot of power to the short story when you're thinking about uh, from a, I guess, narr- more narratively, less practically, like when you're thinking about it, you can really like pull off some quick, uh, really human stories in the mm-hmm. short story format mm-hmm. and and explore what I feel like sometimes doesn't get explored a lot in comics in the sci-fi realm um, stuff that you see more in, you know, like Philip K. Dick books or um, more like novel or prose oriented sci-fi sort of like the human interactions and little human costs of interacting with technology as things go kind of crazy. And so I felt like some of that stuff is really interesting at the micro sort of human level. Um, 
that where maybe it doesn't support an entire story, you know, like a long story arc, mm-hmm. but like how you like one of the stories is basically about how does technology inform this one guy processing his grief over uh, his dying spouse, for example. And so like uh, that would be a lot to to put on a, a big, long arc, but like to have mm. a seven page story where you like get to explore that a little bit. Um is very doable. And so as I started to get, in my mind, like better at doing those stories, it felt Mm -hmm. like, oh, this is pretty interesting and something you don't see a lot where it's like, I get to see just how these, a couple little turns here um, in some person's life can be affected by uh, these, these forces. And so Mm -hmm. um, it became pretty interesting to me on a narrative front. Um, And then uh, in our ongoing stories, it's uh we i try to do basically like that same thing but also to have then like some longer story arcs but the other thing with that is that as a self-publishing person it's you never know how far you're going to get and so um trying to make uh trying to figure out what morsels in an ongoing story are going to be like a good digestible amount for somebody on like both a per issue thing and then in an arc um is something that I feel like I'm still sort of learning, but uh, mm. hopefully it's got kind of like a mix of both things, the long arc and then the little bit of human stuff um, as, as each sort of story progresses in each chapter. Now, do you, are you the person that's writing all the stories or there's other authors? Cause I know there's other artists on the yeah. uh, project, but are you the only one that's writing the stories or there's some other ones? Yeah, no, they're all written by me. And then each okay. artist is, or each story is drawn by somebody else. Yeah. Her gotcha. drawn by different people. Yeah. Okay, cool. Um, So again, just to kind of reframe what the uh, project is about. So the whole story is framed around how there is a corporation that figured out how to tap into people's thoughts, both living and dead um, as that fifth dimension, which I'll be honest, reading that it's a very bleak picture of the future. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Um, And just as you said, like this is in the style of a lot of projects out there, like black mirror and things like that. And and I keep having this conversation with people like in the last week, actually, it's really funny, but it seems like every, uh, every kind of film or comic or anything that has to do with um, taking place in the future, it always seems like it's some sort of bleak dystopian future that, in a hundred years, we actually haven't gotten better. We've got a lot worse. And sometimes I'm just like, can we have something where it seems like things have actually gotten better, you know? Yeah. Um, but in, in that frame, though, in telling these anthology stories, what is the kind of commentary that this is providing about our current state of technology and humanity? I think that um, I think I'm I think I'm finally working on a hopeful chapter for this. I think, I think if you if <laughs> folks stick around, that, right? yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, I think like uh, I, I've been working on actually one of the ongoing stories. I've been getting to about like chapter four or five that I'm kind of scripting those parts together, and I was like, oh, this is actually starting to turn slightly hopeful, maybe. <laughs> um, yeah, no, I mean, I I do think uh, I, I do think it's a. Uh, there's a lot of bleak stuff going on right now. So it's, Mm -hmm. it's tough to, um, to find the non bleakness, uh, I guess. Yeah. So I think that, I think commentary wise, I guess if I have a hope and hopefully this is sort of what maybe will leach its way into those uh, upcoming chapters Mm -hmm. is that, uh, by like 
thinking a little bit more about stuff before we do it. Mm-hmm. Um, and before we just dive into, because I, mean, I think like the Thoughtscape is sort of my reaction to seeing how just constantly like before we really understand something like how mm-hmm. algorithms or AI are going to affect things, right. we just go like whole hog, right? And just go like, go all in. I mean, we did it, we did it with like atomic energy, right? Like, I mean, everything, we just like dive right in. Yeah. And, uh, without asking and why, right? <laughs> without asking why, without really considering the cost, without testing stuff very much. Yeah. And so, um, I think the thing that is hopeful with that is that like, if we can, I mean, I feel like this is the thing sci-fi has been wanting us to do forever is like not uh, fetishize when we find this cool, this stuff that seems cool at first, but like to ask right. the questions around the ethics of it. Right. Um, so I guess that's uh, we're trying to be sort of in the tradition of that, but also um, I guess just like if we, if we think about how that will affect our humanity, maybe we make the, maybe we think about it and make a different choice. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, yeah, I think that might be, that might be what I've got on this front, but I, I think <laughs> that, um, you know, cause like if we just, if we think about how things will affect not only ourselves, but others, I think that's something that's always missing from the conversation. Like yeah. for a lot of us, most of this, most of the changes that take place are, you know, not like not super impactful. Right. Or like mm-hmm. they don't like drastically affect our lives. But if you're talking about, um, you know, different stratas of society. Like if we go AI on a whole bunch of stuff where a bunch of people lose jobs, that's not very cool. So we should maybe think about that. Um, And yeah, so I I hope I'm working towards that, but I would say like, it's, that's a hard thing, uh, a hard thing to grok um, and a hard thing to have it like make its way into your writing. Mm -hmm. Um, I think it's a good challenge, but uh, yeah, I think um, it it might be a little bit before I get there and figure out how to make it compelling. Uh, But I want to, because I think that it's, you know, it's easy to, um, it is easy to always be cynical. It is easy to always be dour and um, think that we're just ruining everything. So um, <laughs> yeah, I do think life formed is more hopeful for what it's worth. It's got right. like there, it, while it takes place in a sort of uh, post invasion apocalypse, um, Cleo's uh, got a lot of hope and um, so do some of the other characters in there. So right. yeah, maybe, they'll, maybe they'll uh, find their, or that hope will find its way into Thoughtscape at some point. Yeah. Well, and, and I think you touch on it though, that I, these are the conversations we need to start having now because these are things that are impacting, not only impacting us, but impacting us at an exponential rate that if we don't start having these conversations, um, I think we're going to be really, um, surprise and tell ourselves, you know, how do we get to this point? Cause we didn't see it coming when really we did, but we just didn't do anything about it. So for, for example, for, uh, the comics industry with the AI art that's been heading yeah. around and, and, you know, making its way, um, as a, I don't necessarily want to say trend, but it's been trending on social media sure. at least. Sure. Um, I know that there's these chat bots that now, if you give it, you know, certain prompts, it'll actually create a very, elaborate almost human-like response to those prompts that you 
probably couldn't tell that it was written by an AI or a computer. And so these are things that we're just kind of diving in, you know, head first without asking what are just as you said, the implications of doing these things. And is there a danger of going down that road? Not just, you know, are we going to put people out of the jobs? Because I think we always tend to adapt to. Yes, people will be out of jobs, but then, you know, those kind of jobs will adapt to, you know, learning new right, skills and right. stuff like that. But it does ask, you know, at what point do we reach uh, the self-autonomous level of we have all these things to do our jobs for us? And now we don't have things to do, you know, yep. to because jobs is not just about making money, but it's also extensive of ourselves. And, um, you know, there's a lot of political and social um, commentary on, you know, what work means for the human soul and the human, uh, you know, psych, uh, the human psych and things like that. Um, but I think it does create some questions that we have to think about in terms of how these things not only impact us individually, but impacts us as a society. So, um, let me ask you this first before I go yeah. into this, but it, there is a story that I want to talk about that's in this anthology. Are you okay if I kind of talk about some of the details of what happens to that story? Or do you want to keep it? Like, you yeah, know, I think kind that's of fine. vague, <laughs> uh, I guess vague if you can. But I think, uh, you know, I, I doubt at this point anybody's going to not buy because uh, of a small spoiler. Or spoiler yeah. So, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so I, I got to say that um, a couple of the stories that I read that I really um, thought were really good. And I, I don't want to say enjoyable, like it, it brought um I, I want to say it's enjoyable in the fact that it's really thought provoking and really insightful and and creative, I guess. That's probably what yeah. I'm looking for, like creative outlook on something. So um, there's a story about a spy without a face I thought was really interesting because I think it kind of touches on um, AI as a um, personality and an ent- like an individual entity in a sense. Yep. Um, yep. Adorable orphans is kind of a sadistic way of how people can use <laughs> machines to kind of get what they want in a really, really scary way, but could very well be possible depending on who's in charge. Right. 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 <laughs> um, but the one that I thought was really interesting that I think is more of a sobering story that um, I can really see happening that we're probably seeing happening now with the advent of technology and, and how quickly it's been growing. All that you touch on this is the the griever story. Yeah. And and that story just kind of, you know, put some context around. I don't I won't go into it too much. But basically, um, a man is losing his wife and um, he uses the technology that they have for them to relive a memory. But it's not you know, reliving the memory exactly. Um, I think he's, uh, you know, kind of using those details to recreate a new experience that they're using almost through like some sort of VR experience, but it's more immersive that way. It's almost like yeah. it's an extension of themselves. Um, so they have this really nice last moment before she passes away from cancer. Um, but then what you find out is that as the man's going home, that man was not actually uh, her husband. It was almost like a, if you ever seen the movie, the Sur- uh, surrogates from uh, with Bruce, Bruce Willis, it's that same thing. It's almost like a hu- very humanistic Android that is very real, um, but it's a robot that was in place of the husband and the husband, you know, sent it to her because he didn't want her to be alone, but he couldn't handle it um, because he couldn't handle, you know, losing his wife. Right. And, I find that very, very sobering, very moving. Um, it, it's probably my favorite story of the whole anthology because I think it's something that is 
it's not black and white, right? Because I think on yeah. on the surface level, like your initial um, reaction is to say that man is, you know, just completely selfish and doing that. Um, I, I think at the same time, you know, I, I think it's one of those things that it's really hard to say what you would do in that situation when you haven't been put in that situation before. Cause yeah. I think like, that was my initial reaction. It was just like, you know, he should have been there in person. He should have been with her. And, and for, for a number of reasons, like one, I think it's, you know, it's almost deceitful for him to do that. On the other hand, I can also see that being, you will definitely regret it if you don't do that for your own mentality or for your own mental health and for your own consciousness and things like that. But the more I thought about it, the more it's like, you know, that's that's how I would react if it was me. But for that person, I mean, maybe they wouldn't be as calm or as, you know, together if they were there in person and they didn't want that mm-hmm. to be, you know, the last experience with that person. So I, I thought it was just a very interesting philosophical story to think about how technology can really um really change the reality that we're living in and create these experiences that's almost false on the surface level, but can also be, you know, it's that level of of questioning, you know, what is humanity and and how does technology role play in that? And I think it's just really an insightful way to think about this is the initial, you know, uh, surface level reaction to think through it. But then as you think more and more about it, you know, where is it at really? And, and I, I think, you know, I'm not going to talk about what happens at the end or anything like that, but I think, yeah. you know, there's some nice touch about, you know, it, it's just a nice commentary on how technology can really be pervasive, but also helpful um, and supportive at the same time. And it, it, it's just a fascinating story. It's, it's something I'd never really thought about in terms of like how we can do that, but I can see that actually happening that people might want to have that as an option because, it'll be really tough for them to go through something like that. Somebody that just lost, um, you know, we just lost our dog a couple of months ago and it's been one of the hardest things that our family has gone through. Cause it's like a very beloved dog. It's I'm mm-hmm. still, I'll be honest to say that I still like lose sleep over losing the dog and, and things like that. And my wife and I had a whole conversation about if I should be there when he, you know, passes or not because of what happened to our dog last time or our previous dog. Um, you know, if I should be there or not. And, and, and honestly, what we talked about, is she was going to take him in to go do the procedure that I would go to a coffee shop and try to get my mind off of things like that. Mm-hmm. Um, but when she took him in, I like literally and this, I think this is the first time I told anybody this actually on this episode. <laughs> um, I, I put the car in reverse, but then I couldn't pull, like I couldn't pull myself to actually leave the parking lot. Cause I thought that I'm abandoning him if I did that, you mm-hmm. know, but, but I promised my wife, we had a conversation. That I would not go in and do that. Cause that was going to be hard on her to see me go through it. Right. So like this story resonated for me personally on a lot of levels because I kind of went through a similar situation like this, not with the technology, but just the the scenario, you know. Yeah. Um, so when I was thinking through that, I was definitely thinking through that whole experience I had with my dog. But I think this is something that is a real possibility for a lot of people in the future where they they just don't know if they could, you know, see that happen because it's not a pleasant experience by any means whatsoever. Yeah. But you don't want your loved one to be alone when that happens and things like that. So it's it's a very, very interesting way to talk about this. 
Cool. Well, I'm glad it. Uh, yeah, I, I wish. You, <laughs> I'm sorry. I, I know I talked a lot. To, no, yeah, that's fine. I wish you hadn't have to go through all, uh, that, but um, I'm glad that I guess that it helped you. I mean, I mean, if it, yeah, I'm glad it made you think about that. I guess that it evoked that. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, we uh, we've had a couple uh, like losses in our family or around our family, and it was so that um, you know was definitely on my mind um, mm-hmm. and. Uh, I mean, that's, that's probably, I feel like the most effective story that I have written, um, mm-hmm. uh, possibly ever. So, um, yeah, it's definitely so my favorite it, it, like, yeah. for so many reasons. Like there, there's some really good stories in there, but that one, I just, it, it hit home, not just because of my personal experience I've had, but I think that's the one that it's like, this encompasses all the questions that we need to be asking about yeah. humanity and technology at the same time. Yeah. Yeah, totally. Well, and I mean, it even gets to like what you were talking about with the chat. I forget what that thing's called. The, the Yeah. Like chat GPT the, or something chat like that. G- yeah. There you go. Yeah. Um, like it even gets to that, right. It's like what, um, if we can synthesize experiences, I don't mm-hmm. like what, where do we, it, I think this is one of the things where it feels like, wait, we should really ask ourselves a bunch of questions before we start standardizing this stuff. And mm-hmm. I actually was just talking, so I'd work in technology as my day job. Um, and which is where a lot of, <laughs> I get scared, <laughs> I get scared a lot. And then I have to come write about it. Yeah. Um, but uh, like, I was just talking to somebody the other day who was talking about how, um, you know, I can't remember what it was, some, some news outlet, like 70% of their stories were now being written by this thing. And it's just oh, like, wow. it's, it's, and you know, maybe that, like, if you're just talking about like clickbaity, uh, you know, uh, articles, um, about movies or something, it's probably not, you know, that in and of itself isn't necessarily bad, but like, mm-hmm. is anybody, um, if something gets such institutional adoption like that, right. um, in a company, then it's not far from probably being done at like the government level in places. It probably is being done already. Um, mm-hmm. uh, usually. And so what is that? Yeah. Like, uh, what does that mean? So I guess like, I feel like, uh, at least my hope. And I, this is something I've totally come to question the last 10 years or so, as you see like these different aspects, not to get into all this, but like, as right. you see different aspects of fandom where it's like, you know, you realize, Oh, somebody took a way different message from this story than I did yes. um, <laughs> all our lives. Uh, and so uh, to me, it was always the point of the twilight zone or Philip K Dick or outer limits to like pose these questions. Mm-hmm. Um, and to have you, <laughs> I thought, come away with the like sort of humanist, you know, learning like, oh, okay. So when we approach that thing, we should, um, we should check ourselves mm-hmm. against um, our humanity. And so that's sort of, yeah. So that feels like sort of the driving goal. And now it, now to me, it, with a lot of stuff that's happened, it feels like a lot of what people got from sci-fi was just like, I want my room to be full of giant screens and uh, I want to see all the data and I want to see stuff streaming in. Right. Uh, so, um, so sometimes I wonder, but um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, I think like asking those questions and I think like that story also gets at what I hope like I can continue to get at um, mm. more and more like the, the, I guess the human cost of asking and not asking those questions and right. what does, what does that do to us uh, over time? Um, 
Yeah, because uh, it seems like it could do some not great stuff to us, but it could be helpful too. I mean, I think that I think that's an interesting um, thing that I probably don't consider enough is like, what is the uh, I think in that same discussion I was having the other day, I was they were talking about um, robot farmers that were going to basically mm. be farm drones of some kind that could go plant to plant right. and assess assess the conditions and treat the plant that plant specifically versus doing some kind of just pesticide spray over an entire field and like, okay, that, that seems good. Um, I I also worry something could go wrong, but like (laughs) if I try to take a more optimistic approach, what does that mean? So I think that there's, um, uh, there's definitely something there that um, makes me want to pay more attention to why I think like you, what you said, the, the, it's not just the negatives. It's the, how do those negatives and the positives sort of, meet mm-hmm. and what what answers are there so yeah yes agree yeah yeah well this has been a great discussion about thoughtscape um what else do you want us to know about the comics i know we talked a lot about it so if, if there's nothing else you want to add that's totally fine but i want to make sure that i give you um, some time if there's anything else that you want people to know about with the comics whether it's you know the story or if it's more about the kickstarter or you know plans for anything like that anything else that you want us to know about it um, yeah, I would just say like, if you check, if you go to check it out, or even if you, you know, don't think you can back at this point, I do have a list of, um, and links to the whole creative team up there. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's some great art and they're, they're all great. Uh, all these artists are fantastic. Um, and whether you back it or not, I would recommend like scrolling down to the creative team thing, or just going to thoughtscapecomics.com and mm-hmm. following the links to go follow these people on Instagram and Twitter and stuff. Um, they're, yeah, it's a like 15 plus people crew of fantastic artists. Um, each issue has a cover by an artist. That's not a part of the issue. Um, so you're getting at least like five artists worth of work, um, in each, uh, in each issue of the comic. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, these folks are incredible. Um, and, all except so Jacob Edgar, who actually wrote uh, drew the griever um, that we were just talking about. Mm-hmm. He's now uh, working with Brian Michael Bendis on a series called the ones for dark horse. But oh, other cool. than, uh, other than Jacob, I think right now um, most folks are just in the indie realm. So right. um, you, you, if you come here and find them now and follow them now, you uh, will hopefully see them when they uh, maybe make uh, a break. Um, uh, in something other than Thoughtscape as well, because um, they're all fantastic. Uh, and yeah, I would just, uh, and I also on ThoughtscapeComics.com or on a podcast that I've got running, I've got interviews with most of them um, mm-hmm. where it's just them and I kind of talking for a half hour about stuff. So uh, so yeah, that's a great thing to check out too. And uh, in the spirit of um, less AI, more actual artists, I would say follow <laughs> those folks and support them if you can. Mm-hmm. Um, if you're more of a, like a, you know, love movies and um, stuff, a little more mainstream stuff, uh, Tyrell Cannon just put out a really cool ash can like short comic uh, that he did for Inktober um, of uh, like an aliens story. Oh, um, cool. So uh, it's, it's fantastic. And Tyrell's awesome. He did uh, spy without a face that you were talking about earlier. Yeah. Um, he's a action master. So um, <laughs> yeah, I, I haven't read it yet. It just came in the mail the other day, but I've got his little mini that he put together for that. So yeah, there's all sorts of great stuff like that that you can find. And um, you could easily put together a, a good month of reading a bunch of good indie stuff. So, so, yeah. Well, um, and I'll make sure to link the, 
the uh, Kickstarter and the website to the show notes as well, too. So cool. if anyone's listening and and want to check it out, just go to the show notes and you'll be able to get a direct link right to it. So cool. Yeah. yeah. And then I guess if you if you are a original art person or something, um, some stuff that will really help us out and would be cool as well as we've got commissions from three of the artists uh, available as part of the campaign. So nice. you can get some original art on your walls. And I think we've got like, you know, between the three artists, we've got probably like 20 some spots left. So uh, plenty of room up there if you want to grab some. So that's awesome. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. Awesome. Well, thank you, Matt. So what I like to do is end every episode with the guests on talking about uh, the comics that we're currently reading. And usually I also include our audience to um, share what comics they're reading. But because we're actually recording this a little bit earlier than I usually do, um, I'm not I didn't have a chance to ask people what comics are reading. And so I'm not going to be able to include um, outside of us <laughs> any, any comics that people are currently reading. So I apologize for that ahead of time. But um, I wanted to go ahead and start with you, Matt. What are comics that you're currently reading? If any, if you're not, that's totally fine. Cause I know oh, no. sometimes we get busy and all that, but what, what comics yes. are you currently reading right now? Uh, so probably my biggest thing I've been into this year has been human target by Tom King and Greg Smallwood. Yes. Yeah. I, um, I have not read it yet, um, but I've heard nothing okay. but great things. And my former co-host, I was just actually talking to him today about this and he got the first trade paperback and he's really upset because he's like, he's one of those people that he wants to just sit and read it all one. And so he's got to wait for the next volume to <laughs> right. come out. Right, but right. he loves the story. Like, that's why he's upset because he wants the rest of it because he absolutely loves the story. So I've heard nothing but great things about it. Yeah, my my dark secret because my reading to be read stack is so tall and I've yeah. got multiple <laughs> stacks all over the house is that every oh, time yeah. a new issue of Human Target comes out, I go back and reread the entire thing up to that point because <laughs> I don't I don't want to miss a detail. Yes. Um and it's it's totally fun. It reads uh it reads kind of as fast as you want it to, you know, you can look at the mm -hmm. art for days or you can kind of go through it and after you've read it uh 7 times, you can go through it pretty quick. But um but yeah, so I'm loving that. Uh, Tom King is one of my favorites and has been for quite a while. Um, yeah. Copra by uh, Michelle Fife. I don't know if uh, it's a little bit more of an indie book. Um, mm -hmm. He did a run of it at Image, but um, he is back to self-publishing it. And it's his uh, very idiosyncratic, uh, amazing take on sort of like the Suicide Squad of the 1980s. Uh -huh. um, started off as sort of a little tribute to that. And it's grown into this whole thing. That's now on like issue 44, um, mm -hmm. which is awesome. Um, and then I have been, like, I kind of pandemic kind of affected my regularity of yeah. uh, store store visits, but uh, I did finish uh, deadly class. Um, the last issue of deadly class within the last few weeks. And I thought that was really interestingly done. Mm -hmm. um, I think Remender's, uh, pretty amazing um generally and i like that a lot uh <laughs> yeah i feel like there's i feel like there's other stuff too but that's probably the that's probably the main stuff um that i've been i'm gonna say that now and then i'm gonna look around i have also been trying to dig up older things um that i missed uh in the 80s and um like when I was, I don't know, when I was very locked into my X-Men realm, you know, I missed like Swamp Thing or something like that. So I've been right. trying to go back to those, some of those classic runs. Um, and uh, yeah. And, oh, I know is uh, Street Angel by Jim Rugg was the other thing that I'm really looking forward to. Um, he did the whole grand design that 
uh, came out from Marvel this mm-hmm. year or last year. Um, and his indie book street angel is, uh, super fantastic. And he just announced a new, um, one's coming out through image pretty soon. So nice. Awesome. Yeah. No, those sound really fantastic. I gotta say, I think I've only heard of a couple and the rest are brand new to me. <laughs> so, cool. um, but no, but that sounds really, really interesting. So, um, for me, so talking about unread piles and stuff like that, like the yeah. two <laughs> the two stacks you see back here, uh, this is for people who are listening. They'll probably be like, "Oh my gosh, you're still talking about this." This is my stack of <laughs> Superman, Son of Kal El that I need to read. And in fact, I probably have been saying this for the last month that, I, that I'm going to start it. I have not started it yet, but <laughs> um, I need to this week because my guess for next week is actually somebody's going to come on the show and we're going to talk about um, this run basically from Tom Taylor and all that. Oh, nice. And so, um, so. Whether I want to or not, I have to do it this week, but I've been talking about it for a whole month. Um, and then this other stack is actually my whole stack of Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles that I need to read as well, too. Um, but this is probably only indicative of maybe a fifth of the piles I have uh, over in my office. It. Yeah. So I, I have some similar. I have it all organized by like characters or, you know, stories and things like that. Um, but they are a pretty big stack. So, um, but what I have read this past week, um, is it's actually not comics that came out this past week, but the comics that came out um, the week before. So I just read the latest issue of Batman from Chip Zdarsky, um, Dark Knights of Steel issue number nine, which is a just a fantastic run. I've been absolutely loving it. Hmm. Um, I think it's a really cool story. If you haven't heard of it before, it's basically yeah. Tom Taylor, you know, telling it's almost like a like a different universe of the DC Comics world where. Um, Kal-El and his parents, all three of them actually land on Earth, but they land, uh, during the middle, the, uh, medieval ages. And so, um, uh, okay. you know, the, the House of El actually is in, I don't know if it's, I'm, I'm assuming it's England or it could be somewhere else, but they're, all the characters are there and, and they kind of, um, take some liberties with, you know, the character. So like Batman is still there, but you find out that he's a little bit different. He has his Robin. So it's not just one single Robin, but it's like a whole team of, of, um, spies in a sense. And so it's a really cool story. So if you haven't read that, I, I really think that people enjoy it. Um, the other one that I just picked up, um, was actually a run that I had no, no interest in reading until I did a review of the first issue for comic watch. And it's uh, the Joker, the man who stopped laughing. And it's a fantastic story. It's really interesting because there's a lot of um, mystery that you have to kind of figure out. So basically the whole idea is that there's two Jokers and we don't know which one is real. Like we kind of get an idea of who's the actual one, but there's been no confirmation. And so it's, it's really insightful because um, it's kind of like this mystery, but it's also kind of exploring a little bit about, um, you know, why people might do the things that they do and how Joker is kind of being the, uh, you know, the vehicle through that, like being the vicarious tool for the story. Um, but it's, it's actually a really, really interesting read. Um, but Everybody may have heard about this run because this is actually the whole controversial panel of like Joker's pregnant type of thing. This is the issue that, yeah, this is the issue that came through. Um, and, and, you know, long story short, he's not pregnant, you know, by any means whatsoever. (laughs) In fact, if you actually read the story, it's a backup story. So it's not even part of the main issue. It's a backup story. And clearly like each of the issue, they had the backup story where something crazy happened. Like I think in the previous issue, Joker got cut in half by a train. And so to fix him, they actually gave him, um, gorilla legs. I think they stole it from the character, uh, Jack and Apes. Okay. 
The story before that, Joker killed um, his little sidekick Gaggy, but then Gaggy shows up uh, in issue three and four and never explains that, you know? So it's, it's, so it's mm-hmm. all comical and crazy to begin with. Yeah. But this one, it's like, if you had just read, you know, not even the entire story, if you just read the two pages where it talks about him being pregnant, what's happening, the next one, like he's not really pregnant. But right. <laughs> so that's the issue that it came from, actually. But it, the main issue is just a really fa- fascinating and really interesting story as well, too. So, so those are the three nice. issues that I've just picked up that I've just read that I absolutely love. So, who wrote that Joker one? Oh, I knew you, you were going to ask me that. And, um, <laughs> I can't remember on top of my head. It, oh, okay. It's, a, it's an author that, um, it's an author that I can't, I don't think I've read any of this author's work before. If I remember correctly, okay. I, I'll guess I can't remember. I'm sorry. Let, let me see if I can no look it no, up real fine. quick as, yeah. as we're talking about this. Um, Matthew Rosenberg. Okay. It is. Okay. Yeah. Um, so I, it, and I say, I probably haven't read his stuff. I'm, now I think about it, I probably have and did not realize it was his thing. Yeah. Um, because he's actually written quite a bit now that I look at that name and everything. I was like, I'm, I'm pretty sure I've seen that name before. Um, but the art is by Francesco uh, Francavilla. I don't know if I pronounce oh, that. Oh, yeah. But, yeah, you know, that's yeah. a very, very popular yeah. artist. Um, yeah. So it's 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 fantastic, to say the least. I'm not a Joker solo comic kind of person. But when I read the first issue, I, I was hooked. I was like, I, I got to keep reading this. So oh, that's cool. Yeah. So <laughs> nice. Well, Matt, thank you very much for coming on the show and for talking to us about Thoughtscape Comics. I wish you the best of luck with the Kickstarter. Uh, before I let you go, where can we find you and your work online? Yeah. Um, so thoughtscapecomics.com, you should be able to find links to pretty much everything. And then uh, the campaign is at thoughtscape2023.com. And you can find me on Instagram and Twitter at, uh, at Matt, M-A-T-T-M-L-P-D-X, um, like the Portland airport. And I've also got a Thoughtscape page on, uh, Facebook. If you search for Thoughtscape, that should come up. So awesome. Should, should be pretty much everywhere. Yeah. yeah. And I'll make sure to put those in the show notes as well, too. So cool. All right. All right. Thanks so much. Thank you. Appreciate it. Yeah. And that wraps up another episode of The Caps in Life. I hope you enjoyed listening and don't forget to hit the subscribe button. You can follow us on social media at Caps in Life. And if you like what we're doing, give us a shout out by tagging us in your post or send us a message. For more information about us and all of our previous episodes, visit thecapsinlife.com. 